This is Under the Dome. On today's episode, we're bringing you a recap of the NC Insider and News and Observer politics team's first Politics at the Pub, a panel discussion about North Carolina politics sponsored by Randolph Cloud and Associates and Fidelity Investments. It's Monday, August 1st, 2022. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. It's a pleasure to see you. Uh, We're thrilled with the turnout at our inaugural event. Uh, Like Jordan said, we hope to have many more to come in the future, but this has been phenomenal. And our sponsors, again, thank you to you for making it possible. Uh, We are going to have sort of an informal panel with some of our politics reporters. Uh, Their bylines, many of you, probably all of you are familiar with, but you might not have met them in person. So it's an opportunity to to get some FaceTime and uh, we'll open it up for questions pretty soon after we do sort of a brief discussion of this past legislative short session. So get a drink, uh, sit down if you'd like to, or rest up against the bar, settle in however you'd like. Obviously it's casual, I'm doing it with a beer in hand. Uh, But let me start with introducing our team here. Uh, On my right, Dawn Baumgartner, Vaughn, I said that wrong. I said it right. Uh, Dawn is phenomenal. She is our budget queen, we say affectionately. Uh, And she covers the governor's office as well. And three years you've been on the politics team. And then, uh, of course, reporting before that in other capacities, she was a Durham reporter with the Herald Sun, which is a sister paper to the News and Observer. So she came over to us from there. So great to have her with us. Uh, Our most veteran politics reporter, I think, is Will Doran. Um, (laughs) So I think most of you know him. Uh, Seven years, is it, that you've been on the politics desk? Four, okay. Hey. Still longer than me. I I round up in weird ways. Legislative time, it's seven years, that's right. Uh, Will, what are your specialties? You you have so many, I don't really know how to point them, how to pin them down. Um, You have covered a lot. Redistricting, yes, gerrymandering, challenges, issues, um, the court system a bit. Uh, You'll hear a lot from Will as we go through some of the high points of this short session because he reported a lot of them. Uh, Next to him is Kyle Ingram, who is our summer intern. Uh, You wouldn't know that he's an intern because he's been phenomenal and has reported with the expertise of a a more tenured veteran. So we're really glad to have Kyle with us. He... um, Broke some of the stories on the Green Party stuff, if you all have followed that, and the drama that is ongoing there. He's been tenacious in in tracking that down, as well as doing lots of other great work for us. Uh, Luciana is our newest reporter, and I'm going to try to get her name right, because she has four of them. Uh, Luciana Perez Uribe Ginasi. All right. She she joined us from New Mexico just a couple of weeks ago, so... Uh, She wasn't here with us for the short session, um, but she is nonetheless uh, one of our politics experts and uh, has done a great job reporting, picking up where we uh, needed help since she's joined us. And finally, Avi Bajpai, who uh, came over from our breaking news team, started at the NNO as as an intern, right, like Kyle a few years back, Um, and and was so good that that we kept him. I wasn't here, but they kept him, so... Uh, glad for it, and uh, and he's done great work. What's sort of your your specialty? Social and cultural issues. Okay. So, a bunch of things. Yeah. That's it. That that's pretty much the the name of the game on the politics team, um, because politics is never static, and there's always new stuff for us to tackle. So, you guys, if you want to take a seat uh, behind me, we have we have one microphone that we're gonna make best use of. So, 
uh, forgive us as we shuffle it around, but I think it'll work just fine. I neglected to mention uh, an integral part of our team, Laura Brace, who is uh, doing some of our production here. And we'll take whatever we say here, whether it's good or not, and uh, turn that into our Under the Dome podcast, uh, which many of you might be familiar with. If you're not, go ahead and uh, look us up on Twitter, subscribe, and, uh, and listen for uh, the latest and most important politics news each week. Uh, to our Under the Dome listeners who will be hearing this Monday, we're glad that you tuned in. Thank you. So, Don, let's start with you, um, since you're right next to me. Uh, but like I said, I said earlier that Don is the budget queen, and the budget is the biggest takeaway, probably, generally speaking, from the short session. A lot of the other policy and, and, and legislative points that we'll discuss uh, all wrap up into the budget which many of you are probably familiar with. So uh, before we get into what's not in the budget, what is in the budget, um, if anything noteworthy? Does this work? Okay. I'll give Will credit for calling me budget queen. And also he told one of our colleagues that when I joined the state politics team from local government, they gave me the budget as a beat to haze me, but I actually liked it <laughs> and wanted to keep it like multiple sessions. Um, so I've been covering the budget for the past two sessions, which is really like the session that never ended uh, last year and the budget process that never ended last year. So this year was weird and short um, from as far as what I had experienced in the past. So um, there were raises in the budget, which is like the largest number of people that pay attention to what state government does as far as money is how much money am I making. So um, that's one thing to mention. There was um, as some of you already know that the budget that Cooper signed into law last year was a two-year spending plan. So everyone was going to get raises the second year anyway. So on the off years, the budget can add to it or it can do nothing. And it added just a little bit. So like what you were saying about there being a little bit less in the budget, um, they added another percent on to the state uh, government employee raises. They added a, a little more to, to teachers, and I had a breakdown. We've got some of those print copies that are sitting around. Um, Will and I did a, a, a package of stories about the budget just last week, I think it ran, um, and it has the breakdown of what everyone's uh, raises were. So that's really like the big thing. There weren't any new tax cuts in it. There was a, a lot of savings because, the, uh, of course, it's Republican majorities in, in both chambers. And they wanted to, uh, they're thinking more about the recession to come and wanted to, um, to save money. So there's some saving money, there's some extra, a new saving um, fund called the State Inflationary Reserve, which is the acronym SIR. So please, sir, can I have some more savings? And that's really what they did. So. All right, love it. Um, we have some lobbyists among us, so they will also have, have dug into the budget. But I mean, it's probably not hard to imagine that there aren't many who love to, to just go through an entire budget. So we loved on for loving budgetary news. Um, yeah, she's fantastic. And uh, uh, like she mentioned, this short session was actually short, which shouldn't be surprising, but it was <laughs> because we've had some very long sessions. Um, you two have reported the longest on some of the, the, the previous sessions that we've gone through. Let me ask you, Will, uh, how was this different? Uh, so part of it was that they actually were almost on schedule and concluding. And, and give us some insight into the dynamic between uh, Republican leadership in both chambers and how they, how they operated with each other, and then also kind of how the budget process went pretty smoothly with Democratic Governor Roy Cooper. 
And that was a little bit different than in some years past, right? Yeah, um, there's a lot to all of that. Um, to kind of start from the the end of your question, it, it, it really did go smoothly with the governor. I mean, you know, he put forward his proposals, it, you know, not everything he wanted got into this budget, but he was willing to sign it anyways, you know, get some extra raises. Um, the really what, you know, kind of defined this session was kind of the fights between the House and the Senate. I mean, everyone who has been around the, the legislature in recent years knows that, you know, even though it's a Republican majority, a lot of times they do not agree with each other. Uh, and I, I think probably the the main place where you saw that in this session was with Medicaid expansion. Um, and everyone agrees that, OK, North Carolina should expand Medicaid. But as I say, the devil's in the details. I don't think I need to tell anybody in this room that, <laughs> you know, the uh, the House has an idea of how to do it. Senate has an idea of how to do it. Those are a little bit different than what the governor's idea is for doing it. It's possible that we're going to see some movement on that this summer. Obviously, Medicaid expansion was not in the budget. That is something that they are still working on. Uh, we've been talking with some of the, the health committee chairs, with Governor Cooper's office. Both Don and I have been really just kind of blowing up people's phones over the last month or so, trying to figure out like, okay, what's <laughs> what, what's going on behind the scenes here? Nothing right now, <laughs> Nothing right now is uh, what Don says. But there, there, there are at least were some talks. They might have slowed down a little bit. You know, if anyone has any hot tips for us that they want to send us, uh, you know, our emails and our phone numbers are pretty easy to find. Um, but, you know, we, we could possibly see some movement on Medicaid uh, this summer. Or there's also been talk about coming back in December, uh, you know, for a nice little lame duck session. Uh, the, you know, the benefit of doing that is the election's over. Everyone knows if they've won or lost. And, you know, they don't have to be as worried when they're casting their vote on, you know, what it might do to their reelection chances. So that's always a factor, too. Uh, I think there's definitely a plan to come back in December for something. It'll just kind of, you know, we'll see what exactly happens then. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up Medicaid. That's a huge point. Um, it was conspicuously absent from the budget after there was some discussion that it might have been included. Uh, we have an audience of people who I think have paid attention to that subject. Let me ask you just informally, can, can I poll you for who thinks that Medicaid will pass before the long session starts? There were zero hands if anyone didn't notice. From what I'm hearing, if it's going to happen, it could be during that like very brief, probably skeletal session next month, if at all. But then it's getting into campaign season and do they want to deal with this or not? So if you read a story that posted last night where it was like Burger and more and what they said within like 10 minutes of each other and the timelines are different. So you can you know decide at the end of that, like where what it's actually going to look like. Uh, so an, a big thing that happened this short session, um, a lot of other pol political news happened around the country at the same time that, that had something that affected the way politicians were talking and some of the policy suggestions that came around, the legislative suggestions. Uh, obviously, a huge one was Roe v. Wade, and it was overturned. Um, Kyle, let me throw it to you, because I think that you were, uh, again, our intern, but he was just fantastic and dove right in in the short session. And you covered some of what obviously was not directly abortion related, but some bits of the budget that had to do with with pregnancy and, and women's rights and such. And there was different opinions on how that was. Give us just a bit of uh, a bit of background. Yeah. 
Yeah, so the state budget included over $3 million for crisis pregnancy centers across the state. So 11 different ones of those. Uh, they're traditionally known for dissuading women from abortion, uh, encouraging women to carry pregnancies to term. And so we saw them get a significant amount of money in this budget, but that's not a new allocation. Uh, we, the legislature has been giving money to crisis pregnancy centers since as far back as 2011, uh, when they were uh, selling these Choose Life license plates, the proceeds of which went to a variety of different uh, crisis pregnancy centers. So uh, we looked a little bit into that. We talked to some of the pregnancy centers that got money. Um, it was a really different story between which ones we talked to. Some of them had lobbied directly to their legislators to ask for funding. Others said it came as a surprise once the budget was passed. Um, but we know that this is a thing that Republican leadership has been interested in for a while, even if it's not a direct uh, line towards the reversal of Roe v. Wade. Um, as I'm sure everyone knows, we heard from Republican leadership that there was no interest in trying to pass further restrictions during the short session. Uh, they knew that they didn't have the votes to overturn a veto from the governor, um, but it is something they've indicated they'd be interested in if they were able to win a supermajority in the upcoming election. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, like you said, not a, a direct chain of events that comes from Roe v. Wade necessarily, but interesting what it might set up. And I'm going to get a little bit ahead of myself because we'll come back to what might not have been in the budget or happened during the short session. But while we're on abortion, um, we have heard a little bit of feedback from legislators recently. Uh, Don, let me ask you first. Can you just fill us in on, on some of uh, what you're hearing? I mean, my story hasn't run yet. I'm going to finish it tomorrow. But um, <laughs> asked more about this yesterday and everyone asked him like earlier, too. And Berger has talked about it. Um, that they were, I think, the very first day of the short session, um, knowing that that uh, the Supreme Court was, you know, expected to to do something, uh, we asked, you know, Speaker Moore what he was going to do, and he said, "Well, we don't have a supermajority, so anything you send to Cooper is going to get vetoed and won't be able to override it unless you have Democrats to vote with them." Um, so they were just going to wait till next year, and that's pretty much the same. And then with a very very brief session yesterday, which was really just a chant, was it yesterday? just a chance for uh, us to catch, you know, Berger and Moore and ask them some things. Uh, Moore said that the caucus hasn't talked about it. And as you all know, if you know anything about caucus meetings, whatever happens in caucus stays in caucus that they say anyway, unless you get someone to tell you what happens, that they haven't, there's no particular bill and what they want to do that's coming. So I asked Moore what he, you know, personally thinks. And Berger has talked about what he personally thinks, but what it's going to look like once you ask all the members what they want. We don't know exactly what that'll look like next year. But of course, a lot of that depends on the election and if it's still a Republican majority versus supermajority. And depending on, you know, counting the numbers of who's in the chamber, what kind of bill that you're going to draft that you think will be passed that might have some any bipartisan support, which some of these bills have had in the past. So it's kind of a to be determined if they have uh, if it's a Republican supermajority, there'll definitely be a legislation with more freer to to what's going to be in there versus if they think they need uh, more support from others. And then really what everybody in the caucus thinks, too, because not everyone just because you're in the same political caucus doesn't mean that you you think the same things as far as as far as that of, of the specifics of of what kind of legislation we'd see. Great, that thank you. That wasn't a specific answer, but like that. No, that, that, was, that was a clever answer with your story not having run yeah. when, when a stupid editor asks you to talk about something that hasn't published. Right. Uh, <laughs> to be 
determined. <laughs> to be determined. What have we covered so far? Medi Medicaid expansion. Um, we've talked about raises that, that were not as dramatic as, as might have been. Um, another big issue topic that came up during the short session was some immigration control measures. And, uh, and Avi was our specialist on that. Let me give it to him to tell us a bit about the bill, what happened and what might happen coming moving forward. Yeah, sure. Um, so this, this bill um, that Lars is referring to uh, would have basically required North Carolina sheriffs to cooperate with federal immigration authorities with ICE um, and this is not a new bill. This is a bill that, um, you know, I think Will and Don are much are familiar with. It predates my time here at the NNO. Um, Republicans have been uh, trying to pass a bill along similar lines, goes back to 2019 at least. Um, and I think basically we had the same timeline of events and votes similar to what happened in 2019. You know, we had this bill in 2019. Um, went to Governor Cooper's desk, it was vetoed, wasn't able to be override, uh, wasn't able to be circumvented. And, um, you know, same sort of another attempt at that this session. Um, basically, in the last couple of weeks of the session, the last couple of weeks of June, um, there were two sort of big changes to the bill that they tried to pass in 2019. Um, one of them was, you know, and I should probably sort of back up and explain, <laughs> maybe go over in, in finer detail about the bill. You know, when, when we say sort of require cooperation, what it basically would have required is, um, you know, if, if sheriffs basically um, arrest someone here in North Carolina and book them with a certain high level felony offense, um, include such things as homicide, rape, um, uh, kidnappings, stuff like that. Um, and they can't determine that person's um, immigration status, their citizenship, um, then they're required to alert ICE. Um, and that's a very contentious issue. Um, so basically two big changes to the bill this go around. Um, last time it would have required sheriffs to do this with any kind of offense. Um, and this time it was sort of narrowed down, limited to high level felonies. Um, and then the other sort of controversial provision that was scrapped this time was, um, you know, some sheriffs have been reluctant to cooperate, especially in some of the more populous counties here in Wake, um, in Mecklenburg County. Um, and the previous uh, version of the bill would have uh, imposed some penalties on those sheriffs that don't comply, and that was taken out as well. So some of the Republican sponsors, some of the proponents were saying that they had addressed concerns that Governor Cooper had expressed, but you know, it came down to the wire, um, passed on long party lines on the last uh, two days of the session and um, was vetoed by the governor. And uh, has this legislature has not come back to try and override that. So that's where that stands. Yeah, so, so keep reading the News and Observer for more on what happens there <laughs> with, with the veto that, that attempt that might come or not. Uh, so we're going to wind down in just a few minutes and let everyone get back to socializing. But I left a fun one for last. I think it's fun. Um, medical marijuana. So that came up in the short session. Let me do another poll, informal poll. Who thinks 
in the near future that medical marijuana will pass in North Carolina? <laughs> keep it while, keep it while, let me see, 40? Okay, okay. All right, I like that. So, like 34% of, of our, of our uh, representative sample here, this is a very scientific poll. You'll read about it in the newspaper tomorrow. Uh, so how does that stack up against uh, some of what you are getting from legislatures in the General Assembly? What are you thinking might happen moving forward? And tell us about what happened in the short session. Yeah, this was a, uh, a pretty busy short session for, uh, for vice bills. Uh, you know, you had the sports betting bill, uh, which was really, you know, in, I, I'm not going to be, you know, here claiming to be a longtime veteran expert of covering politics, but that, I think that's the first bill I've seen that they've put on the floor for a vote without knowing which way it's going to go. And, you know, it ended up failing by one vote in the House. I mean, it was that was a spectacle. And then you also had the medical marijuana on top of that. Um, you know, so we are, uh, you know, just, you know, really uh, getting in all of our, <laughs> our our good vice bills here in North Carolina. Um, the medical marijuana is interesting. Uh, Virginia has passed full legalization, uh, which I think is probably driving North Carolina a little bit because they're looking at, okay, you know, how much money are we going to lose from folks, you know, once Virginia, who's already a step ahead of us, you know, legalizes it, you know, people can just drive up to, you know, Danville, <laughs> whatever else, you know, South Boston, right across the border um, and buy something and drive back. Um, you know, that's pushing us a little bit. Um, also, it's a, it's probably a pretty decent amount of money. Um, the Senate has passed it. Uh, the House is still not quite on board. Uh, you've got uh, you know a few more socially conservative members in the House and in the Senate who just have reservations on it. Um, but with it having passed the Senate, you know they've kind of shown their hand on it. They're in favor. You know, it's balls kind of in the in, in the House's court at this point. You know, they could you know if if they want to try to you know weasel some uh, conciliations out of the Senate. You know, some little. Uh, changes or pet projects, you know, they, they've got a pretty good opportunity. So obviously it didn't happen in the short session, but, you know, uh, will it come back up in December? Will it come back up next year in the long session? I think it's unlikely to happen in December, although I'm sure I'll, you know, be eating those words, uh, you know, when, when it does. Uh, <laughs> but no, I think, I think we'll definitely see another push for that again uh, in 2023. So uh, yeah, it could just be a, a few years down the road here. Um, you know, the Momentum's clearly headed that way. I mean, you've you've seen polling. It's like 70, 75 percent support for it. You know, in every age group, every political party, there's majority support for at least medical marijuana. You know, full recreational is a different different game altogether. But that's kind of where we're at right now. Awesome. Thank you. Well, like I said, we, we didn't want to uh, extend the panel too long. We will open up for questions in just a moment. But I thought it would be interesting uh, because Luciana has joined us so recently. Uh, most of us, if not all of us, have been here in North Carolina for a while and followed North Carolina's politics. Uh, Luciana knows her politics, generally speaking, very well, but New North Carolina is its own ecosystem. So uh, first impressions, having come from out of state, across the country, uh, what's, what's maybe different? Um, what do you think after, after arriving after the short session ended? And what are you looking at as we head forward with the long session come January? Well, New Mexico is incredibly different. It's super left-leaning. So on speaking about marijuana, for example, over there it's uh, rec recreationally like just became law. 
So the ballpark here is different and just going to the sessions and seeing the debates that go on, um, like the Medicaid expansion, it's, it's a change. So it's a learning curve and I'm just looking forward to speaking with everyone here um, and getting a better understanding of the politics in this area. Uh, Santa Fe, yeah. Well, I'm from Peru, actually, the country. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Luciana. Thank you, all of our panelists. Uh, we appreciate you sharing your expertise. Um, you do it every day in the paper, but it's, it's neat to hear it here live and, and with you in person. So thank you so much. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.